ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Chad Whedon, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? Oh, Leonard, I'm good. Hey, great to see you. How you been doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. We wish we could have got out to Loretta's. Um, unfortunately, it just didn't work out for us. You know, we tried. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't like a scorcher, so it would have been a good year to try and make it and not be, you know, sweating the whole time and taking in a lot of heat. But, man, it, it was uh, it was a good time. It was a fun, fun weekend. Weather was perfect, and we enjoyed it. No real well, – there was rain before, but nothing during? No. It was a clear weekend the whole weekend, and usually down there you at least get one day where it just dumps. And But we – Managed to be okay and not get any of that. That's a that just broke the record, didn't it? Yeah, I would say <laughs> the years that I got to go, I we never had a dry, we never had a dry day. Yeah, I mean, you you'd get rain both days, or you know the the Friday of setup and everything would just freaking drench you and yeah, you know, just it's usually like foggy down there <laughs> and oh. hot. After it rains, it just gets hot. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're you're already hot and sweaty. It rains. You cool off for about thirty minutes, and then you're like, "Oh, really? It's coming yeah. back." <laughs> oh yeah. How how was the new setup? I mean, you hadn't been down there since they uh, since they rebuilt it, had you? No, uh, it honestly looked looked like we it never changed. Honestly, they put it back to. The original, you know, feel and look and everything and the track wise, like it didn't seem like they anything ever happened. They they did a great job getting it back. That's excellent. I know that uh, the ATV industry may not have put in enough support for that, but the motorcycle people sure did put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, I mean, they definitely did. Like you noticed, um, the main thing I noticed was like a lot of like that river rock kind of like mixed in with the dirt and you've seen more of that than in years past. And that's honestly the only difference I've seen other than just, I mean, having rock around the whole property, there was more of it that got washed into the pit area and all that. So, um, and that definitely that doesn't hurt. So it made it, uh, maybe a little bit better in certain areas. And then, on the track uh i think it'll take them a couple of years to sift through the dirt and get like a lot of that rock a lot of that smaller rock out of there but they did a great job getting it back 
That's awesome that, that, it, that they kept the facility or got the facility back in shape and made it really good. Weren't the motorcycles there the weekend before or a couple? Yeah, of they're always there the week before us and we follow. And um, I have like uh, Bob at Sunset Ridge and Max, he goes down for that whole, uh, that whole bike, uh, the amateur racing. And um, he's actually stayed before and, helped out a little bit with ours, but I think he's getting to the point where he doesn't want to be down there for, you know, two and a half weeks straight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I get it. As you get older or as you have more responsibilities, you don't want to spend as much time away. You know, I mean, oh, you've traveled, sure. you've been traveling for a number of years yourself. Um, does it ever weigh on you? Oh yeah. I mean, there's times where you just, ready to get back home and um i guess like the biggest thing like you've been going to these tracks for so long that um there's not like huge changes that happen to these tracks so usually sometimes uh like for us ours is a one-day program so we usually roll in on thursday night friday and do our racing on saturday and sometimes we hit the road on saturday night if it's a long drive back home or if it's closer we'll We'll hang around for Sunday. Do you miss the uh, pro sport or the pro stock? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, it's just, it gave me a good reason to stay and race on Sunday. And it was a more laid back day where you could, you know, mix it up, like talk with a lot of the, the, the riders that are there and get to know them a little bit better because every, like, basically the time that I get there to the time that I race, it's kind of like, it's a buildup of like the, the business that you want to try and take care of that weekend. And your focus has to be on and you can't be out, you know, just kind of messing around. You want to take care of yourself and make sure you're hydrated well and uh, not overdoing yourself by like, you know, running around too much and focus on your, what you want to do. Is it harder to stay hydrated in a cold situation or a hot situation? Uh, I think definitely hot just because it's, uh, it seems like for me, like it's harder for me to like my body to absorb the fluids than it is like to get it in. Like I have no problem getting it in. So it's, it's like, I'll drink, I'll drink something and it feels like, you know, 20 minutes later, you're you're already getting rid of it, you know, cause I sweat so much and everything like that. So it's, um, it's definitely harder with the, with it being hotter for sure. Do you know what the weather's going to be like overseas? Um, they, like they kind of, they give you like a, an average projection, but like they say, like the lows are in the fifties, like, I guess, uh, not the lows in the fifties, but the, the average high highest low is 50 degrees. And the average high is like 70. So it should be pretty good weather for us. And, um, I think being like in September, you know, I think we're about, uh, two weeks earlier than maybe we did like, um, uh, two years ago, three years ago, last time we were there, 2019. Like we were in October when we raced instead of being in September. So I think that helps a lot with us being a little bit earlier where hopefully our climate won't be as cold. That's yeah. Cause if it's super cold, it's got to make it hard on you guys. 
Yeah, and uh, like the container that we ship over there, that's kind of like our basically like our motorhome as well. Like that's where we get dressed inside. And I remember in Germany, that thing felt like an ice chest, like the floor when you walked on it with your shoes, like your feet were freezing and, you know, like <laughs> it was, uh, it was quite an experience, especially early morning, like for our practices and stuff like that. Like it, it felt like it stayed cold, like till, you know, midday and past, you know, like it was, uh, <laughs> If, that's, if somebody, I know, for instance, like Thomas Brown, he's not a big cold person. He does not like the cold and he's kind of like a wuss when it comes to cold. And it was like he was wearing jackets and he was bundled up like it was, a, you know, like snowing outside. <laughs> so <laughs> quite funny. I'm not a fan of the cold either, but, you know, if you got to deal with it, you got to deal with it. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk a little 2022. Um, uh, I know that we spoke earlier in, earlier in the year, um, uh, a little, I think it was a little before midway. Um, you came off some wins there in the middle of the season, looking real strong. And, uh, where did it go, uh, from there for you? Uh, man, like, honestly, like we, we, we had a nice string of wins, like towards like mid season on, um, I won four out of the six races from basically the mid season on. So definitely that was strong. Uh, yeah. Like I, I had no complaints in my riding. Like I was riding really well, getting very good starts and like the competition was there. Uh, like Joel, he, he rode consistently where he was able to, uh, not, uh, have bad races and not put himself into a hole and, um, that's kind of what I needed at the point that I was at, you know, I, 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 I didn't say, I wouldn't say I gave away, but I lost a lot of points like early on the season that put me into a pretty big deficit. And, you know, I just, uh, try to dig myself out of that. And, you know, we won a lot of races, but we also split a lot of motos where like he, he would go one and two and I would go, you know, two, one for an overall. So it wasn't, I wasn't gaining anything at those, at those events, but all in all a really good year. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't win the championship, but honestly, like my riding was really good and, you know, we started to string together a lot of wins and, uh, healthy, you know, I, um, so I'm just going to try and, uh, go off of that and, you know, hang my head high on, uh, the effort that we gave. Is, is there, is there something that changed mid season for you? Um, like, yeah, we were doing, we've been doing like testing, like throughout the whole year, uh, just trying to get like suspension where I want it. And like, we made some changes to like our, our front end setup and our rear end setup. So, um, we were trying to find that balance where I liked everything in the balance on the machine. And, you know, once we got that, like, um, I wouldn't even say Ironman, Ironman, like we were getting close, but like at Walnut, it was uh, around, that was around six, I believe, or somewhere in there. But, uh, once we got there, like I, I found a lot of comfort on the machine and riding like 
to the to my ability and um ever since then we've been able to challenge you know for wins every single weekend and it was things were clicking and like for me going into this off season i don't have any projected plans to change anything on my chassis so it'll be kind of transfer over to uh, a good setting for for next year so talking about that just briefly before we get into the, that conversation do you take the bike that you rode at the last race and dissect it so that when you build your you know daytona bike or your your first outdoor bike um are those the settings you start with yeah like that's something that i like i try to base myself off of that where let's say like you do a lot of your training in florida like the dirt from from up here in the midwest down to florida it's quite a big change so you got to make a couple adjustments but the biggest thing is is that you try not to shy too far away from it where you get yourself lost and um start trying to like wandering and trying to find something that maybe you just need to stay closer to your base setting that has brought you success. I know that the NASCAR guys, you know, they have a portfolio on each race and they go back and they set the car Mm -hmm. what it was last year, you know, especially if it was successful race or what they learned. Do you have the same type of setup where you, you know, going into each facility, what your setup is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like we take, a we take a lot of notes on what our settings are between like, I mean, everything that you could possibly, you know, put down like your camera caster adjustments, your ride height, your, your, uh, your, your shock valving setups, your, um, clickers, of course, tire pressure, tire ball pressure, like all that goes into, like are my notes that I keep, uh, I've been keeping since, uh, 2012. So it, um, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll roll the, a couple pages back and look at like older settings that let's say if I feel the same thing and then we made a change that I'm able to like jump on that and be like, this worked the last time we were here, let's try this, you know, and we're not just shooting in the dark at times, you know? That's really good. I, I was talking to Joe one day, Joe Bird, and he was he started reading me some pages when he had came back from the races, you know, back way back. And it was just kind of funny that the the way that he had worded certain things and some of the some of the notes that he did take were mm-hmm. were, were pretty good. I mean, I, I thought that that's gotta be the best way to do it. Oh, for sure. And you know, I I take I keep like a uh like a training portfolio like a training uh like diary and then also like um you know training on the machine like also like with that like when i'm out like testing and making changes i make sure that i document all that stuff as well do you keep the same uh uh, dietary notes as you do machine notes yeah yeah i i definitely do like where Cause I mean, every day, like you could go to one track and the one day and then go to the same track again. And the conditions can be different. You know, it can be hard, like harder and slick and deeper, you know, ruts. And so it's, it's no like two tracks are necessarily going to be the same, but you're going to be able to 
be like, all right, this is similar dirt to where I was practicing at. I can, I can kind of give myself a base point with this and kind of just roll with that and then make adjustments, you know, from there. Cause for us, we, we only have the two time qualifying practices on the track. So you kind of got to nail it pretty close to like right away so that you're not wasting your, your time qualifying, uh, trying to set up your machine from being too far away from your setting. You commented uh, a, a little bit back in our conversation that you ha- you weren't as comfortable as you would have liked to have been at the beginning of the year. Do you have a specific reason why that happened? Uh, yes. I mean, like we, we changed, uh, like we changed our front end a little bit this year. And then, um, we were having like some inconsistency with like our tires where, um, we would get them to, they like, we would have them set. Like, for instance, I'll just shoot you a number. The rear tire measured at, you know, 55 inches around. And by the end of the weekend, we could have had 57 and a half to 58 inches. Like it would grow that much. So like with that, like with it growing that much, it's going to throw your ride height off and like the amount of rake that you have on your, the front end. So I noticed a lot of places like that. I went, especially sandier tracks where the rake would get too low and I couldn't, I couldn't get enough weight to the back of the machine to keep the front end up. And I would be kind of, I would, when that happens for me, it makes me want to sit instead of be standing because when I'm standing, it feel like I'm falling over the front of the machine. I'm really having to use a lot of energy to keep myself back. So that's what I noticed. Like, uh, like Daytona was Daytona. I think that was just one of those tracks, but like at Texas, like I had really good speed but I couldn't keep that speed very long because of how hard I was having to work with, uh, you know, with that difference and that change that the tires were growing. And also, you know, just maybe, uh, maybe my fitness wasn't as good as I thought it was as well. Really? I, I mean, definitely that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely could have been because, you know, let's say I could ride that, that um that intensity like early on for quite a like let's say like 15 minutes but i couldn't i couldn't finish it all the way to you know the 24 minute mark or something you know i mean that very well could have been it but also like let's say your machine and yourself are like gelling well together and you can ride like that intensity as long as you want like that's a tribute to your machine's working well and it's not making you strain more than you have to to ride it fast because i think anybody can ride a machine pretty fast for a, a, a certain amount of time but to be able to do that for uh consistently for you know 24 minutes sprints and like it's a it's a different story to be able to do that that brings me to this do you notice a different or do, are you noticing that you need to train a little differently you know, I I hate to bring this up because you're still young. You're still, you are young, even though you're older than most of the guys you race with. Do you notice that you're having to modify some of your training to adapt to the, the older age? Oh yeah, for sure. Like let's say when I was in my twenties, like I could, 
ride all the time. I could take off and go cycle. I could do that. You know, mm. let's say I would wake up in the morning, I would go for like a, like a, you know, like a 15 minute warm up run. And then I would come back and we would go, we'd do motos. And then after that, we could take off on a bicycle. Like these days, I don't do that because, um, I feel like it's going to put me into like a hole that maybe it's going to take me, it's going to hurt me more than it is going to help me. Recovery time. Recovery. Yeah. Recovery wise. Wow. I mean, I guess I get it because I am older and when I push through uh, on a project longer than I would normally do, you know, you have a, everybody has their work hour days, you know, you have a, six or an eight hour day when you're working through a specific project. I know now if I push it to 12 hours on that next day, half that day, I'm junk. Yeah. Yeah. And like I modify like my training as well for the one day format where I will put in like a day that's like, you know, you're on the machine for an hour and a half to two hours, you know, like, at like run time on the machine. Like that's, uh, that's, that's what our, you know, our pro day is like, so I put in, try to put in that and then plus some because, you know, that's how you kind of get your, your endurance and your baseline where if you go out and do like a little bit less or, you know, just enough, when you put that extra stress that it, it puts on your body being around all those other guys and you got to be able to, to go just a little bit longer for that extra little bit of edge at the end of the day. For the younger riders, how much stress is it from practice day, just like at, at, at your normal practice track to race day? How much difference is there in your heart rate in the stress that goes through your body and, 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 and through your mind, you know, uh, how much difference is it? Um, I, I don't think like, like, let's say it depends on the day, obviously, like, but if you get like a day where it's 90 degree heat and humidity here, like, yeah, it's, it's a high stress. It's like a race day type feel. Um, but there's, there's nothing that replicates like the pressure and uh not even anxiety but like just the the main pressure that you feel like rolling up to the gate and you know you know racing against the other guys and going into the whole shot like you can't replicate that but you try to uh like mimic it as close as you can but like leaving like some races some races i feel like it's a practice day when i leave like i'm pretty i'm pretty fresh i'm not totally beat down but you can go to these other tracks where you're leaving your sore and you're you know you're kind of you're kind of uh you know kind of faded a little bit but uh honestly there's there's never I, I quite a practice day that can mimic what what you go through on race day that's that's kind of the answer i was looking for is you know just so that everybody understands that you can train super hard, but there are extenuating circumstances when you go to the gate. Oh yeah, for sure. L let me ask you a, a fun question. 
when you started, the butterflies, the excitement, the thrill of going to the race and being on the gate, do you still have that today? I would say, like, once I get there, yes. Like, I, I still get, like, the excitement, the nerves and all that. But I'm able, like, to control them where, like, I could tell you, obviously, like, you know, back in the day, like, you could be sitting there just shaking like you're so, like, amped up, excited or nervous or, you know, anything to do with that. But, like, um, like rolling up to the gate, like, I'm pretty calm, like, rolling up to the gate, like, yes, like, you're, you're excited, but I'm, like, able to, like, I could probably almost take a nap sometimes I'm up there on the, on the gate where like, I'm so, I'm just kind of relaxed, but like, um, you know, if you sit there too long where like everything can build, you know, yes, like you'll start to feel that for sure, but I'm able to control them pretty well these days. Well, yeah, you've been doing a while. So you, you, you had those epic battles and, and know how to deal with, the stress of, of, of racing. That's pretty awesome stuff. When you, the gate drops from the gate drop to the first turn, how much emotion is involved in that time frame? Oh, uh, actually I don't feel a thing. Honestly, <laughs> I, you're just, uh, just the focus that you have and you're trying to get an edge on the guy next to you. And, um, it's almost, I feel it's, I feel like it's slow motion where I think that's what happens to like a lot of these like younger classes or anything or like not as experienced classes where like for us, like, yeah, we're going like, we're going really fast, but we're, I feel like I'm able to see it almost like I'm going slow where I can make, make decisions on the fly that let's say I'm getting closed down. Like I'm not going to, stay on the gas and try and make a kamikaze move where it's going to end up, I'm going to end up on my head where I bet you if I was, you know, you know, 12, 15 years ago, I might've held it on and it might not have panned out. So like, I'm able to make really good decisions, you know, in that time frame. like how long's a whole shot, maybe, you know, like three seconds, four seconds or something. Right. Right. Alan, it's like a minute. <laughs> unless you're where Glen Helen it's like a minute long <laughs> yeah it's a long that's a long straightaway yeah that's that's kind of what I was looking for as far as you know after you make that first turn do you start make, making your strategy because I know the strategy that you have oh. going into the race but once you around that first turn your mind starts working on the things that you need to do and where you need to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely like picking out like what I have to do. Like for instance, uh, let's go to like pleasure Valley where I got, I got both whole shots. Like I just tried to sprint out as, as fast as I could and as hard as I could right away where let's say it's the same thing. Like if I get into like, uh, you know, like, fourth or fifth off the start yes i'm putting in a sprint but you can only go as fast as the guy in front of you and you can't follow them everywhere you're not gonna be able to get around them so i'm thinking ahead be like this line's gonna be good if i get a run on them there like 
let's try to not follow them, but let's not give up spots trying to make these attempts, you know, because you want to make as many of those uh, spots up as quickly as you can in the first lap before people settle into like their lines, they get separated a little bit more. So like you got to try and make, uh, make your moves early, especially if you're dropped in the field a little bit. Fortunately, that doesn't happen all that often to you. So that's, that's good. Uh, let me ask you a question. You've been a mentor for more than just one guy, but the one guy in particular, Max, Max Lindquist, yep. uh, his progress is good. He's fast. Um, yeah, he really is. He, he, he gives you very high praise when, when you speak to him. Um, do you like teaching? I do. I do. Especially like, like I look at Max and I see like, you know, like I said, I see a little bit of myself, his work ethic, his uh, like being humble and uh, just kind of like let your, let your results talk, you know, for, for what they are. And, um, and I like that. And for him, like, I like to, I would, I want to give that, um, the extra push for him because I feel like he's like the, he's, you know, he's going to be the future of the class where when I, when I step out, hopefully he steps into, you know, being that guy that's going to battle for that top spot. And, you know, just because, uh, you know, I've been able to get to know him and know what he's all about. And, you know, it's, I have no problem uh, giving him advice and giving the extra push. Let's just say we're we're 2024 and Chad Weenan's decided that he doesn't want to race anymore. I'm not saying you're going to make that decision. Mm. Um, do you? Could you ever see yourself in the team owner role and having two guys under your tent? Um. Yes and no. Uh, like, let's say for that, like, I would like to be almost like a. Uh, like a, a rider coach or something like that. Or um, a team owner where you're, where you, where you own the, own the setup and, and yeah. two riders are sponsored. Yeah. I mean, and that's something that's like definitely not a question. I think the biggest thing, if I ever like stop, when I stop racing, I'm going to want to chase after my kids and be a big part of their life instead of them chasing after me everywhere. So I think it'd be hard for me to be like, I want to be a team owner and travel everywhere with everybody and leave my family or drag them with me. So that's the only reason that keeps me from being like, yes, that's something that I would want to do. Maybe I would do that after my kids grow up a little bit more, but I really don't see that being um, the way I want to go when I'm, when I'm dying. But I, I still see myself being a part of like the racing and like it could be where I, I keep my same sponsorship, uh, my same sponsorship team and bring a rider in and be like, Hey, here's the platform. This is it. I'll come to a couple races here and there, give them the best platform to be like, this is a successful program. This is how, this is how you do it. Now go race, you know, and do that. And just 
mentor them and teach them along the way. Yeah. Would you control the bikes? Um, if I could, yes. It had to like, I mean, for instance, like the machines would have to come back here to, to me. I'm not going to like travel to go and do this. Um, just because of that aspect that I said, but I think that's a big part of like my success is that like my hands on the machines and keeping them, uh, keeping them where they need to be, to be racing on Saturday at the top spot. That's that, that, that's a good angle for some of the younger riders. I think that could see themselves being mentored by you and riding a machine that you had control of. So all they had to do is, is test with you and Mm -hmm. set the, set the bike basically you know, their mechanic, your mechanic can, can reach out during the weekend if need be and go to the races and, and, and take care of business. That would be a sweet setup. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something that'd be definitely possible. Obviously it had to be the right rider, rider combo. Like I could see, I mean, in a perfect world, I would pick max to be that, to be that, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, for him, it's got to be, it's got to make sense for everybody. Well, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are, there are all contributing factors to everything when you break that down. Um, You talked about your kids. Do you see your kids or would you want your children to follow in your footsteps in racing? Oh, that's that's a difficult question, but like, yes, I would, I, for my son, I want him to experience riding and being on a full wheeler because I know how much joy that that brings me and like, and then see where that goes. Um, one, I don't want to ever push my son or my daughter in a direction that it's, you know, my dream. I want it to be what they choose to do and not give them any sort of pressure from me and let it be natural for them and let it, let it be fun for them. And like, I don't want it to be like, yes, I want my son to race and I want him to race under my name and what I've been able to accomplish and put that extra pressure on him because I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. That, I mean, my son had some issues when he raced, um, you know, Doug Eichner was the guy sitting there on the, with the number one plate and under that tent. And I'm working on that machine and everybody expected my son to go out and ride like Doug. Yeah. Was never going to happen. It's yeah. No, it's wasn't fair. Yeah, no. And I can see that, you know, being, you know, a problem. I just want, I just want them to choose their own path and I'm willing to chase them wherever that goes. That's good. I mean, I like the plan that that you're talking about. Um, I wish that I would have changed a few things, but I was chasing my dream with at the races when my kids were little and, and, uh, I've never stopped. So, uh, (laughs) it's awesome that you, that you're thinking about that. When we start preparing for 2023, have they dropped a schedule yet? I have no, there's not a set schedule just yet. I would say you're probably looking at 
sometime maybe late October, early November is when they'll probably drop it. Right. Um, our, go ahead. I'm sorry. And our, our banquet is mid-October, like I believe. I think it's the 8th of October. Yeah. So I, I'm sure usually they try to get it done so they release it at the banquet, but I think that's uh, – I don't know if that's going to quite happen. Yeah, I'm trying to make I'm trying to make it out there for the banquet. I've been talking to um, Mr. Osborne and and trying to Jeremy. yeah, trying to get Jeremy. Jeremy called me and and asked me about it, or texted me and asked me about it, and and yeah, I'd love to work that out. I I would love to come and visit with everybody and and talk. It's just you know, travel right now is just so expensive. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, hey, I want to know it very. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know better than I do. I mean, you, you, your bill for travel this year probably was ungodly expensive. Yeah, definitely uh, over t- about twice as much as what it used to be. So, yeah. Ouch. We covered the uh, pro stock class briefly, and I've talked to all the amateur riders that I've talked to, or the the pro sport guys, or the or the pro am riders. They've all said that they would love to see that come back. Is there somebody or is there a way to get enough riders together to um, maybe petition whoever runs the series to, to bring that back? Do you think that that is any way possible to ever get it to happen again? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I strongly do believe that it is if there is enough of an interest and, uh it, it every year it was growing and so it was trending in the right direction maybe it wasn't growing as fast as they wanted it to it was something like that it has to take time oh, to build yeah. yeah and i think it's it's one of those things where it's going to be a lot of riders that come and go because maybe it's past riders that want to come and race but they don't want to spend you know the big money to to go racing at you know the modified level so you're gonna have guys like jacob stevens is a guy for instance like he took some time away he got a stock bike and he came and rode the stock class and then all of a sudden he's going and modifying his machine so he's moving away from that class to a modified class so it got him back into into racing it maybe it rekindled his love for racing and you know so you're gonna have guys like that that'll they'll come in they'll be at that step and then they'll, they'll step again to a modified class so there's nothing negative about that class because you're bringing riders back into racing and maybe they're just beginners or they're experienced riders how about the preparation for the for the incoming pros that got to race with you for a season or two seasons in the pro stock class before yeah. they rolled out to the line. Max said that, that, that schooling that he got was um, you, you couldn't put a price on. It. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think, I thought that that was like uh, one of our goals, you know, where riders weren't just thrown to the bulls and uh, when they make the jump to pro class, because it's a big jump, you know, it's, 
let's admit it. Like a lot of those riders that are coming out of program, they're used to having success and they might not ever have success again when they go to pro class, like they might end there. So that makes it not fun. You know, where let's say you go to pro stock class, you get a good start. Like Mike Allred, the last race that we ever did on pro stock, he won it, you know, and that's like, it's very easily something that could happen, you know? So it's, and you're learning that experience from, you know, a non high budget level. Yeah. It would be a great deal if, if there was a Suzuki and a Honda out there with oh, a stock machine running it, you know, that would, that would be a great deal. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I almost would enjoy that, you know, just because the, the, the playing, the field is level. Now mm-hmm. it's, it's the rider pushing that machine to levels that m- maybe they didn't think that it could jump that jump or uh, it rails the corner faster with his specific style. And, you know, yeah. it's all coming down to you're on the same bike. So if that guy beats you, it's because maybe you yeah. need a little more. Yeah, maybe he's riding a little better. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> you guys, you guys at your level ride so well as it is. It's it's splitting hairs basically. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, there was no real dominance in that class, was there? Uh, I mean, like, I won a lot of races on, on the stock on the stock machine, but it. It wasn't um, it wasn't necessarily because of uh, just having maybe just had a really good feel on a stock machine. And um, let's say, for instance, like Joel, when he did it the, the last year that we had it, like he I I definitely ripped more whole shots than he did. And it should be the other way around where like the power to weight ratio is quite a bit different but like i had a lot of time riding that stock machine where i knew how the clutch worked i had my start styled on it like it's it's quite a bit it's easier for me like i just drop the clutch and kind of go on a stock machine but i you don't do that on a modified 450 you just don't drop the clutch and you're either gonna burn the tires off you're gonna flip the thing over (laughs) so Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I get it. Um, th- that's that's a lot of fun. See, there's like there's again, there's a rivalry there, but there's fun. Yeah, you know, you're oh, yeah. having a good time out there at the same time. It, you know, it breaks some of the monotony of, of of the pressure of running in the pro class. Yeah, for sure. And like, yes, you want to win, but like. Like when I was out there racing with Thomas, like if he was in front of me, I'd be out there like yelling at him in the turns because of how quiet the machines were. Like, you know, just kind of like fun, a lot of fun, like being able to do that. And like we come to the next turn and I could hear him yelling at me, like when we're coming to the turn. So that's, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's very light. That that's the fact that it's that you could have some fun at it. That that makes it even better. It may means that the class should come back. You know, just yeah. so that I think the fans, the spectators, also loved it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, they get they get to see you guys ride more. 
you know, because every time, you know, I only got to go to one race this year, but every time you guys were on the track, everybody was on the fence. Everybody, yeah. every, every second, the, 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 unless they were getting ready to get in the, uh, in the gate because they were the next moto, they were on the fence watching and, and maybe yeah. got a line or how do I get through this section or how do I do this? So yeah. getting you guys out there more is better. I think. Yeah. I agree. So I do agree. Future next year. Um, any big changes or is it just going to be the same? I know you don't, can't let the cat out of the bag and you got, you got this secret over here, that secret over here. Um, anything changing at all that that's going to be significant? Uh, if I told you yes, I'd probably be lying. Uh, but <laughs> like, um, at this point, like we're pretty early into like our, our preparations for next year, but, uh, machine wise i don't plan to change much of anything just because i i found a lot of comfort towards you know the mid part and end part of the season and i want to try and continue that and not change you know things where i'm still like uh you know sniffing around for my setup so i feel like um like there could be a good possibility that next year could be my last year i i i, I honestly i don't know if i'll even decide until the year's done like I might not be like, yes, this is going to be my last year, but, um, you know, I just want to go out and give everything I got to continue, you know, continue what I've been able to do for, you know, since 2012 with Yamaha and, uh, trying to go out there and compete and win. And, uh, I still have a lot of love for it. I, I always get to the end of the season where, the, the grind is so hard where you're like, man, like this is a lot of work. Um, I don't know how much longer I want to do it, but I do know after this season, like coming home, that drive home, like I'm kind of like chomping at the bit where I want to get back to um, get back on the gate, like very, very soon and go racing and try to try to win another championship and maybe go out on top that way. Who knows? So, or I might be like, I still got more in the tank and, um, like it's, uh, it's a decision that I'll have to make like later on down the road, but I'm having a lot of fun and, you know, my wife and I like we're on the same page of, you know, what our plans are, you know, uh, with our children at the, at this moment. And it is enough for me to be, to continue racing. So it's, um, just one of those things on, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's got to, it's, if I go home from the last round and I, you know, finish second and I really don't care about finishing second, then maybe it's time for me to be like, eh, it's, it's been good, you know, but this year coming back, I cared quite a bit about it. So it makes me hungry to get back to work. That's good to hear that you, that you have the desire and you still have, still have the love for the sport. I like hearing that. That's it. it makes me feel good. You know, the, Definitely. The, 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 the old school guys like you, um, you're the last of the old guard and, um, we're going to be sad when that day does come. <laughs> um, I'm not taking anything away from Joel or any of the other kids. 
but there was a way things were done in a, uh, a, a more of an iron will style of, of person. And you're that kind of guy that just forges through, you know, fire, snow, whatever it is, you know, the wall's still there and I'm going through it. So get out of the way. And yeah, that's, thank you for that, Leonard. Um, yeah. You know, I'll keep doing that till the day, the day, the day I'm done racing. Well, you, you just, you stay strong and, and, and keep working hard. Let's have a little fun here. Um, outdoor motocross. Have you been keeping up on it? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. Who, who's going to pull it off? Sexton or Tomac? Man, man oh man. Um, like, I just have that feeling that ever since I seen Sexton beat Tomac at um, Washougal, I just have that feeling that Sexton has something going on right now. And like, I feel like, I feel like if I feel like Sexton has him on the ropes a little bit, but Tomac showed like this weekend, that first moto that he was not going to lay down for, for getting beat. So like in my mind, all I got to do is win one moto and finish second the next. So that's, that'd be my game plan for, for Eli. But like being Sexton, being an Illinois resident, like, uh, like I am been born and raised here. It's, uh, I'm kind of partial to him to get it done. Well, that's a contradiction there. <laughs> we'll make sure to cut that out. So Donnie doesn't hear it. Yeah, I mean it's nothing uh like honestly like I just want to see these guys battle it out and let the best man win. And like I I I'm actually like I'm I'm a little bit of a Tolton Mac fan, but I got to be strong for be strong for my guys and you know uh you know Chase used to ride Yamaha when he was younger, so it's not saying that he won't ever come back home. <laughs> well, there's a there's a meme on social media with his number on a KTM. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, wow. that and I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long his deal is with Honda. I don't, I don't follow it that close, but uh, yeah. Have you looked at the uh, 250 class at all? I have. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the young man that rides the Kawasaki. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Moda. Yeah. That guy's that guy's on fire. Yeah. He's he's getting it together this year. Like he's a different rider from what he's ever been. He's got like confidence and a strong will and not giving up. And you need that. You know, you gotta be short-term memory. You get beat one moto, you gotta be like, <laughs> like, ah, I'll get him the next one, you know, like be ready for ready to go battle again. And, and Cooper. Yeah. Guy has had motos where he just flat destroys them. And then the next moto or, or either the first moto, he wasn't there. And then the second moto, he destroys them. You think that's inconsistency in the machine or the, or the rider? 
man, like, like I said, like when you're comfortable, like you can ride as fast as you want, as long as you want. If there's something a little bit off, like it, it can mess with you quite a bit. And I feel like that plays a big factor in the way his results are is if, if he's feeling it and the, and him and the machine are one, he's going to be like very hard to beat, but you'll see like weirdo rides where he's maybe starts up front and he just slowly fades back that he's not comfortable. So yeah, like a lot of, like I'm one that like, yes, if the, if the machine's off a little bit, like maybe I'm not going to win, but I'm not going to be, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, like that, like I'm getting on the podium for sure. You have also enough time in the saddle that you can make up for some of the deficiencies with the way that you ride the machine, correct? Yeah, for sure. And you got to learn how to ride the machine the way that it is. And if it's not working a certain way, you need to change the way you're riding it a little bit to try and make it work. That's the old school mentality versus the young guys now that come out and, oh, it's not perfect. Yeah. Not going to be perfect every time. No. I mean, you came from days back when, yeah, the machine was way off and you still had it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I like, you know, I'm I'm partial to Eichner, you know, because I spent so much time with him. But I love that guy because even when the bike was off, yeah, he'd come off and tell you it was off, but you couldn't tell it in his lap times because he just adapted so well to the different combinations. Uh, it was unbelievable. Or different machines. I mean, he d- d- didn't matter what we put him on. It, it, he just rode it. Yeah. yeah. Just ride it. You know, don't don't look too much into it. Just ride it. <laughs> yeah, stop overthinking it. Do yeah. you follow any other kind of uh, motorsports? Yeah, like I I follow like uh Formula 1, MXGP. Uh I didn't watch the uh I was gone this weekend so I caught up on outdoor motocross a little bit, like ha- about halfway. And but I haven't seen like the Formula 1 race or if they had an MXGP, I don't know if they have one this weekend or not. I don't know. I don't follow the MX. I I I like MotoGP um mm. road race guys and they didn't have a race this weekend i'm a huge mark marquez fan oh yeah i mean that guy's just so talented <laughs> yeah he, he's coming back they uh, yeah. uh they showed him with his arm you know be- before he went to get his surgery couldn't lift his arm that high and he full motions back strength came back almost immediately i don't know what was wrong with it and what they had to do, but whatever they did, they made it, they made it work. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, haven't caught up with, I haven't added that to my arsenal of things to keep up with, but I know it's pretty gnarly stuff there. I'm an F1 fan. My dad and I like to sit and watch it. We haven't watched the race yet. Unfortunately, I know the results. I hate that if app on your phone pops it up you know, in the middle of the day and you just naturally look, ah, I didn't want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And you catch articles, things like that, but uh, yeah, I like it. I wish Mercedes was doing a little better this year, but yeah. 
you know. Yeah, at least you got somebody, at least two manufacturers racing out front and not just a one manufacturer runaway. Well, Alonzo in that car that's not even supposed to compete, he's trying to freaking put it up in the front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that guy was washed up and nobody. He's uh like like what you say, like that older generation, like, and he's still got a ton of hunger in him. And it's 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 like uh like cool, very cool to see that, you know. And it sounds like he wants to come back and race again next year. So it's it's not it's not over for him yet either. No, when you're when you're feisty and you're aggressive about it, and when something happens and there's a little friction on the track, and you're you know engaged with it, uh, yeah, yeah, you're still you're still you're still the guy. You're still in it, and uh, he's yeah. so just like you are. I mean, you, you you have a little fire. I could I could see a little twinge on your face when you talked about the drive home, and and yeah. that's good. I mean. Yeah, if you don't have that burr in your side, you know, because things didn't work out the way you felt they should have, um, then maybe, then maybe you do need to, to, to yeah. go a different way. I would never say retire because that's uh, Johnny Gallagher just announced on uh, last week's, not last week's, but the week before Instagram that he was no longer going to points race in XC one. Hmm. And he's been around for what almost thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. Old as dirt, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and maybe he wasn't winning titles, but still he was showing up, he was racing, he was part of it. Uh, John is uh the best form of a rider that didn't have a ton of success but the way that he works and his drive that he was able to race professionally for that long and, and make a living out of it, you know, like you, you have, you know, nobody in let's say like motocross that can relate to Johnny, like Johnny's I I can't, I can't tell you how long he's been racing professionally, but I bet it's close to, 25 years i bet or 20 years over 25 yeah it's like, heading really close to 80. yeah and he got his first race win what was it four or five years ago right like that's that's incredible it is so let me ask you this if somebody proposed a package for you to come and bring you to the West coast and put you on a, a machine to race in the desert. Would you do it? Uh, let's say if I was, if I was a show up and race kind of thing, yes, I would definitely like, I would definitely like be opposed. I'd be like about discussing that for sure. Well, we had that conversation on the on the live Instagram show, and your name came up, and Johnny's name came up, and Walker Fowler's name came up. So, and Walker yeah. was on the podcast too. So, uh, we were thinking about you when we were talking about building the Raptor Seven Hundred to go race Vegas Torino. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I enjoyed like uh, doing like Pontevo and stuff like that when I did that the one year we've been planning to go back. Um, like, so it's, 
that is a lot of fun to me, just different style of racing. And I was able to adapt to it pretty quick where like it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time and I'm all about like doing different things. And I'm also like, let's say I am done racing and like, it'd be cool to travel Europe. Maybe I would go and uh, link up with somebody there and I would race a couple of races in Europe and travel and get to see the world there. So like that maybe like when I'm done racing professionally here, that maybe it's something that I would go and do there because like, I'm, I feel like that's something that would be fun and it wouldn't be, I'm not taking anything away from the riders over there, but it's, it's different and it's going to be different if I go there and race and it's not going to be like, I have to go over there and win and perform at my best level. It's going to be enjoy my time there, try to win, you know, and spend time with family while we're there. So. Exactly. Well, keeping the, keeping the door open for the multiple different things that could come your way would be awesome. Um, Mm. hoping that Johnny and I get to have those conversations because I would love to build a Raptor 700 to bring you guys out and have you ride. <laughs> oh yeah. That'd be fun. Oh dude. It'd be, it'd be my honor to build a machine like that and have, and have, you know, you and, and, and Walker and, and Johnny ride it and just, uh, just to get you to feel one of my machines, you know, and oh yeah, have, have, have you ride one of my, you know, bikes would be a, a, an honor. Just, it really would. Sure. But, uh, Hey, I know you got some things that you got to take care of tonight and, and I appreciate you. You fit me in your schedule. Um, 2023 is going to be a big deal. I expect that you and I'll talk right before the season drops and, um, uh, we're going to have a, um, well, this will come out after the live, but we'll be doing a live on Instagram uh here tomorrow and uh, yep. uh we'll be talking uh team usa yeah yeah we're looking forward to that and definitely uh whenever you're ready to talk about 23 and um maybe get like a little bit of time on the machine in the and the preseason and we'll we'll catch up again yes sir I'd appreciate it. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.